Okay, so uh, so we are going. So anytime you wanna you wanna take off, go for it. Welcome in to Friendship and a Two Friends podcast. Uh, I'm Malcolm here with, uh, as always, with uh, my good friend Kenny. Kenny, how are you? I'm doing fine, Malcolm. I have a tasty glass of juice. Oh, juice. Well, last week we talked about soda, but no soda for you today. You're you're back on the juice train. I'm growing up. <laughs> you're growing up. You're like Benjamin Button. As you get older, you revert to juice and milk. I guess that's true. <laughs> awesome. Well, for anybody unfamiliar with the conceit of this podcast, uh, it's called Friendship And. And then every week we want to fill in the blank with a different topic. Uh, and this week we have something that is very topical. It's very timely. Uh, we want to talk about friendship and Bob Dylan, which I know for, for you and I, Kenny, for our friendship, Bob Dylan sort of played a central role, I think, oh, in uh, a lot of the formation of our, our friendship. Uh, and and it's, it's topical and timely because Bob Dylan recently won the Nobel Prize, which is pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. First of all, Kenny, speaking as somebody who you uh, in particular are familiar with, much more so than I was literature and writing and things like that. How surprised were you that you won a Nobel Prize? I was, uh, I was pretty shocked actually. It was, uh, so Bob Dylan has been one of these figures who has been mentioned in the running for the Nobel Prize, um, since probably the early nineties. Um, there was another editorial, I think in 09 or 08 and the New York times that made the case again. And he's sort of always a perennial, like, you know, long shot, but, um, but even as even as early as last week, uh, I remember reading in a couple articles where they talked about just how improbable Bob Dylan winning Nobel Prize is for a couple yeah. of, for a couple of reasons. If you'll allow me to nerd out for just a second, so the so the Swedish Academy who chooses the Nobel Prize winners um, have been historically fairly vocal about their um, animosity is too strong a word but they're they're not the kindest to american writers um the last american writer to win the award was uh tony morrison in 1993 and so they've been pretty vocal about uh how they don't see american writing as um as contributing to the international community of letters whatever however you want to interpret that and basically for being too insular and too focused on sort of American specific concerns. And so the Nobel Prize for literature often goes to these people. Um, last year it went to a Belarusian journalist. <laughs> and you know it's like it, like it tends to, it tends to go to these people um, from countries you've never visited um, and people writing books that you've never read. And so it, so this really is like a complete about face. Um, and it's it's pretty startling to me as someone who kind of follows this sort of thing. I was like I was actually shocked. Like I use that, you know, and I, and I kind of mean it. Yeah. Well, and I, it's funny you mentioned, we might, I don't know if we read the same article or probably the same idea on different sites, but like a few days before it was announced, like the title of the article that I read, I think it was on slate was, uh, handicapping the Nobel prize. And then in parentheses in the title, it just said, and no, Bob Dylan won't win. <laughs> I think I saw and that And I'm too. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so when he won, it was pretty shocking. Um, but I want to talk about, you know, his, first of all, maybe Bob Dylan, his impact on our friendship, because one of the, I don't know, maybe for me, one of the first bonding experiences you and I had was watching uh, Martin Scorsese's documentary on Bob Dylan, because uh, you owned it on DVD. And we watched that 
many, many <laughs> times, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, um, yeah, No Direction Home is just, I'm not sure I know of any other documentaries that I think I've have so much replay value. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things where when you can find someone else, um, willing to tolerate three hours of a Bob Dylan documentary, <laughs> then you know, you've, you've found someone special. So my, my connection, <laughs> my connection of, uh, a Bob Dylan and friendship, um, even goes back before you, Malcolm, you can possibly imagine. So my, my first, my, my parents, um, I think a lot of people inherit, um, music from their parents but my, my parents were never really too into that sort of thing so i had a i, I had a friend in in grade school who uh, who was the first one to uh to both show me bob dylan and he also similar to what i maybe did to you sat me down and made me watch all three hours of this documentary <laughs> like at a time yeah. when at a time when i really knew nothing about bob dylan i think he gave me like greatest hits volume two or something like that so i had like i, I had your sort of everything like you know, after he goes electric to the next, like, 10 years. You know, I had, like, the hits from that period. Um, sure. And and liked it quite a bit. It was – this sounds um, – I mean, this is probably correct, actually. It was one of my first exposures to music that was made before I was alive. You know, <laughs> like, I, again, okay. I feel like some people are – some people are sort of born with that being their, like, initial sort of guiding compass. But, again, my parents never really – seemed that into music and never guided me towards any music there's never really music playing in the house so a lot of the music that i did listen to had to be things that i found and obviously that was it's easier to find something playing on the radio or from a cd that was released last week um than to sort of dive into these decades and decades of musical tradition so bob dylan was, right. was one of my my first experiences really diving into the canon in a way and it was a and and yeah, and there was a lot there. I was always someone who often liked music more for lyrics than the music itself. Um, and so you don't, uh, you know, as much as a Bob Dylan song is great, you know, you you come for you come you you come for the writing, you know. Um, yeah, I was gonna say if, if, if lyrics are your thing and you don't much mind what sort of the voice sounds like, not even the music. Like I think the music is generally pretty. You know, I mean, obviously it's innovative. It's Bob Dylan, but it also uh, you know, it's it's. I mean, he was a talented musician, but really, you know, if, if vocal performance is your thing, Bob Dylan may not be your bag. But again, if you're <laughs> if you're looking for sort of the lyrical uh, sort of depth, I think he's he's the person you turn to. I really enjoy. Um, uh, I guess to give my own background, first of all, I don't know if we want to come back around to this today, or if, like someday we want to do just a friendship and music broadly. But I find it very bizarre that like you grew up in a house with, it sounds like you grew up in a house with no music, which is, just, I mean, maybe it's just my I mean, family. My mom and dad had very eclectic music taste and I heard a lot of music. I mean, it's, um, I, did, I mean, you make it sound like I grew up in like a flash dance village. Like it's not like, it like, like yeah. <laughs> your dad shutting or, you down and not, not, you or, to play something. Footloose, not flash dance. Flash dance is a very different kind I knew of house. That's yeah. a very different kind of household. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. uh, but no, I mean like my dad liked, that makes it sound more dramatic than it probably was. Like my dad would always have music on in the car. Like he, he had his like. He liked um he liked meatloaf and like sticks um yeah. and then and then weirdly him and my sister bonded over Alanis Morissette in the nineties which like again is like kind That's of a, kind of a weird thing but like it wasn't like a there was never a ton of 
passion behind it really so you said that yours was kind of different you were you always were surrounded by music yeah my my mom and dad uh who uh separated when i was fairly young but they both listened to a lot of music um just i mean it was different music my dad was much more into that sort of classic rock maybe similar to your dad a little bit i i remember hearing a lot of meatloaf and sticks but he was also big into like acdc and and uh things like that. And then my mom, my mom was big into uh, like Woodstock artists, like, like uh, a little bit into Hendrix and, and she really enjoyed so maybe closer, I guess, to Bob Dylan, Um, closer to that sort of style. She didn't listen to a ton of Bob Dylan specifically. Uh Um, I remember that, but I, um, but the one artist, the one artist I remember from my childhood the most, my mom is Todd Rundgren. That was her big, the big thing. I you ever that's have a curveball. That's a, a curveball. It is a curveball, and it's one of those things where when you're a kid and your parent likes an artist, you think that artist is a lot bigger than they are. Like no, I grew definitely. up, Todd Rundgren was like a huge, huge deal, <laughs> and not that he wasn't good, but he's not like like he's not like in like the like the Mount Rushmore of musical artists, right? Like he, he is like not. I <laughs> no the way my mom talks about him, uh, you would think. Uh, you would think he was like the guy. The I know we're getting way off Bob Dylan track here, but the other thing I was gonna say was I remember one year, like the greatest gift I ever gave my mom was when uh, I mean I'm a poor, I was a poor high school kid. Obviously, I'm not gonna pay for real music on like iTunes or anything, so I used LimeWire. I illegally used LimeWire to like put together like a Woodstock compilation for her <laughs> of like artists I'd never really even heard of. Like I just listened to it and I was like, yeah, this sounds like something she would like. Sure. But to bring it back to to bring it back to Bob Dylan, uh, and and maybe specifically friendship, you you mentioned that you had a friend who sort of sat you down and showed you no direction home, and then you sort of sat me down and showed Uh me no no direction home. What do you think it is about Bob Dylan that makes and and maybe it's speaking more to that documentary specifically, but I think there's something about like his music too that does sort of almost lend itself more to a communal listening experience. Like there's something about watching that documentary and hearing some of these songs with a group of friends that I think is different from a lot of other artists. What do you think that I, is? I think so. And I think it comes from, you know, the the roots of Bob Dylan are in a communal protest tradition, no matter what Bob Dylan goes on to sort of disavow his, uh, his finger pointing songs, I think he calls them, you know, but really like it's, but like it comes, you know, it, it comes from a, from a folk tradition um, that's sort of suffused with um, sort of labor sympathies and these sort of radical elements that call for uh, togetherness and solidarity in a way that, uh, like, you know, the, these songs aren't meant for like, you know, the, at least those older songs don't seem to be meant for sort of, intellectuals to sort of parse apart the lyrics so much as a group of people to rally behind to uh to help them all work towards a common good so i think there there is that element in bob dylan and folk music in general um and so that that sort of takes care of some of the earlier songs but when you start moving to more of his sort of rock period um you know like i mean rock and roll is also something that that seems to i mean that's best heard in a crowd around as many people as possible, in my opinion, you know, like, 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 you know, some of those, those sort of records only really come alive whenever you're 
standing in a place and the band is playing it in front of you, you know? So <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's music from its beginning that, um, that really called to be listened to together and to talk about together, you know? Um, not to mention his songs also are such enigmas at times that, uh-huh. uh, that, it, that it's, it's fun to play your different interpretations off of each other because you can listen to a song like uh like desolation row and everyone can come out of that having a little different take on uh on on what it means and you know its importance for you so i think that that group interpretation is also uh is also an element that uh that sort of ties people together through bob dylan i think i'm gonna make a i'm gonna make a comparison here that number one I don't factually mean, I just think it's maybe an analogy in a way. But the only like musical fans I have seen that care as much about an artist as people do Bob Dylan, this is going to sound really weird, but like in the same way that like I hear so many people tell me to listen to Dave Matthews Band, and I don't, I'm not comparing, <laughs> I'm not comparing them musically, but as far as like, there is like, it's like a communal thing for people who like Dave Matthews Band. Like, yeah. like there's like a group and you either love it and you are so into it that you have to tell everyone around you about it or you just don't get it and i fall into that second group i just don't get or like the, it but in or, the same or like the way, grateful dead yeah 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 the grateful dead is another yeah we're just like some people are just oh into it but like uh bob but, dylan i think is the same way where there's just there's something about his music and the meaning to it that if you are one of the people that taps into it that connects to it and some people don't like my dad never did like my dad grew up sort of in that time he you know he was kind of a little bit later for prime dylan uh-huh. but you know he was dylan still around now you know um so he caught dylan in the 80s you know 70s and 80s and my dad just didn't get it like he's like he's fine like he's my, my dad's not anti-bob dylan but he doesn't connect with it you know exactly. even in the same way that you and i do and we didn't ever really see bob dylan in anywhere near his prime you know and i um, and I, I, I think part part of that devotion comes from the fact that Bob Dylan doesn't seem to want or care about our devotion. Like I think there, yeah. there there's there's something about about people that are uh, that are fascinated by a person who refuses to allow themselves to be known and refuses to be available and to really make sense of themselves for us. So that task is completely on us. And so I think and you see this a lot um with with people, you know, like this kind of happened to Salinger too. Whenever he retreated, where the mythos grows so much, the more sort of smoke you put in front of yourself, until eventually you are, you are more legend than person. And so whenever Bob Dylan does, for instance, if you ever go to like a show or a new album comes out, you're always kind of surprised because you always are like, oh yeah, he's still like active <laughs> and like writing stuff, and he's a real person. You know, it's like yeah, it's, you can't you can dehumanize him almost in a way because he's such a this mythic figure um and then the nobel is something that only chooses that only elevates him more sort of into the stratosphere of um sort of celebrity and you know mythic status yeah but i had a to to jump back a bit i had i took guitar lessons for for a number of years and um one day I brought in a I brought I brought in a Bob Dylan song I wanted to learn. And this was pretty soon after I like was starting to get into Dylan. Uh-huh. Um, and I and I was starting to dive in a little deeper. And so I brought in a song. And I show it to my guitar teacher. 
and he just sighs. Like just like doesn't can't even hide. <laughs> he can't even he can't even hide his disdain. Um, and so he's like your class. He's like he's your classic rock guy. You know, he's like long hair. He's like giving guitar lessons in the basement of a music shop. Like he play like you know like he's like he plays in like sort of local rock bands. Like this is like his thing. You know, and he's, he's got a Bob Dylan. He's living his dream, and I ha- and I hand him this Bob Dylan record. And he just sighs, and he goes, "Are you like?" Do you like Bob Dylan now? <laughs> I go, yeah, like I really like Bob Dylan. And he goes, did a girl show it to you? And I go, no. And I, and I go, no, my friend did. You know, and I was like telling him about my friend, you know. And he's like, goes, usually it's a girl. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and, like, and like, and like the the whole time, you know, he's like, he was generally. This makes him sound like kind of an asshole, but like he actually was like generally like a pretty pleasant guy. But this whole time, like you could tell, he just had this revulsion to you know like like it's just there's something about bob dylan that was just so off-putting and that's another thing i imagine there are other friend groups that can bond over their mutual hate of bob dylan because as we touched as we touched on earlier there is a lot to hate like even someone who likes dylan can easily concede a few points you know like whether it be about the voice or even the lyrics themselves which sometimes are um are clearly just sort of tossed together nonsense, you know? Like, I, I don't yeah. think there's... Even the staunchest Dylan diehard, like, is not going to argue that every Dylan track is Nobel-worthy, you know? Like, <laughs> like there's... But yeah. but the but the, the lows are pretty low, but the highs are also... Um, they're pretty high. Yeah, for sure. Well, and even, like, what's funny is you and I bonded in watching No Direction Home one of the things we bonded over was our mutual hatred of Joan Baez in that documentary. Oh, like, oh man, jo- <laughs> Joan Baez is the worst in that. It's yeah. she's it, for for those of you who haven't seen it, um, I think she she is this is this is true. She is a woman with integrity who strongly lived and felt her beliefs in public. Right. But in this docu but in this documentary specifically, A, I don't like her music that much. Like it's just there's something about it that is just so off putting to me. And then B, in this documentary too, like, even though she is this person with a reputation in her own right, like she she comes across as just this like person just kind of grabbing onto Bob Dylan's coattails and just right. like never like refusing to let go as he drags her along. And the, and you know what the, the thing that's interesting about that is, you know, she's on the scene before Bob Dylan. And then as you see in the documentary, she plays an integral part of ushering him in to sort of her area, which was like, you know, the folk music was sort of countercultural, but she was like starting. She was kind of a crossover star, and so she really helped pull him to that level with her. And then instead of ever reciprocating any favor he ever received, he just rocketed right by her and you know like started right. his own thing. And well, and I think did... another another thing that I and and again it's been a little bit since I've seen the documentary, but one thing I remember thinking too in almost every scene with with Bob Dylan and Joan Baez is that, like you said, she seems really into him, and he seems pretty ambivalent about anything. I mean, not just with her, about anything really happening around him. Like, he doesn't really seem very invested in anything, but especially with her, he just sort of, like, like, I think there's a scene where he's, like, right, like, she's, I believe that she's either performing or, like, trying to talk to him, and he just doesn't respond at all. Like, he's just (laughs) doing his thing and does not care about whatever she's saying or doing. And, uh, 
I'm sure for somebody that doesn't like Bob Dylan, it kind of makes him look, you know, like, oh, like yeah, an ass. Definitely. You know, that, that it is who he is, you know. And like you said, if you love Bob Dylan, those are things that you love. If you hate him, those are things that you sort of latch on to and not exactly. like about him. But hey, I, I question uh, that, that uh-huh. maybe we should have started this off with because I'm legitimately curious. One thing we always talk about with other people that enjoy Bob Dylan is what is your favorite Bob Dylan song? Like your favorite track? It's a great question. Um, and it's a, uh, and it's one that really does, uh, really does change by, change by the day. Um, I, you go first. I, I need, I need, a, I need a yeah. second. You, you go. Sure. I, yeah, it is hard. I definitely think the one that is almost always my standard answer is, Oh my gosh, I'm losing it now. Uh, I, I do like um, "It's All Over Now, Baby Blue." That's okay. Pretty. That's pretty solid. I, but probably my favorite is "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right." I was blanking on the name for a second. But "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right" is it's sort of like musically, it is Bob Dylan a little bit more restrained, which yeah. I enjoy, and I think it allows this like like I think sometimes Bob Dylan the lyrics sometimes can get swallowed up by the music in a way. And I think that uh, Don't Think Twice It's All Right really allows lyrics that I think are really powerful to stand out maybe in a way that they don't on some other track. Yeah, but, the, thing about, the thing about Don't Think Twice It's All Right that I also appreciate is um, it's also one of those moments where Bob Dylan allows the song to be sort of gorgeous. I mean, he does things in other tracks where right. like it seems like he – he like kind of wants to fuck you up a little bit, and so he'll <laughs> like like he'll have the grain of something. And he likes sort of teasing around. But that's a song that just to um, front to back is a uh, is a uh, is pretty stunning. Yeah. So I uh, so you gave me some time to stall, and I still I still I I have a list which is kind of a which is kind of a cop out. But let me see what I can do that's here. Fine. So um so I I really like a couple songs. I like Desolation Row quite a bit. Um. Which that's that's a song that I actually I took a I took a class in college on a on modernist poetry, and my professor I don't know why but at the time he must have been like into thinking about Bob Dylan because he uh-huh. somehow managed to force in like a Bob Dylan section in this modern like this modernist poetry section even though like the two miss each other by like forty years but he still like but he still made it happen and one of the best classes we had is we took almost the whole period and uh we just went through the lyrics of desolation row which the song is like 12 minutes long so you can do something like that but <laughs> right. but but we would just did pretty much a you know verse by verse close reading of it and uh and you know since then it's I've, it's a song i've listened to probably a hundred times since that class and uh and it opens up a little bit every time you find, you can always find a new little corner to kind of get lost in there. So right. I find, I, so I really like that song. Um, I want you, uh, off of, I think that's blonde on blonde, um, which that was, that's one of the, one of the hits, but it's a, I still think it's a great song. That was one of my first, that's one of the first things I heard that I, uh, that really made me fall in love with Dylan. Um, and two, two other ones that are maybe a little more B sidey. Um, yeah. He has he has a song called uh, "Mama, You've Been on My Mind" that I'm not sure if it's ever appeared on a full album. I know it's re- appeared on a couple of the bootleg series. Um, okay. Specifically, I the, the I have a version I like that it's just 
sort of him at a piano and it's really it's just sort of simple gorgeous like minute 30 second um sort of i i don't know elegy almost and it's great and the last one which coming from uh, one of his later albums that came out in, like the late 70s early 80s the album was called shot of love and it's almost front to back garbage like it's really just not good <laughs> i and i I'm, i think i've only ever listened to the album all the way through maybe once or twice because it's just there's not a lot on it but the closing track is just this absolutely stunning song called Every Grain of Sand, um, which I, which when Bruce Springsteen is uh, – at the, when Bob Dylan is um, nominated into the Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame when they have their little ceremony where he's like formally inducted is what uh-huh. I'm looking for, Bruce Springsteen introduced him. And Bruce Springsteen um, talked about this song, Every Grain of Sand. And he described it something like, it's one of those songs that sounds like it's always been there. Like, in the same way, you can't imagine, like, you know, a, a folk or a traditional song. Like, it's, like, thinking of an origin of it is almost pointless, because it feels like it came from somewhere else. So it's this, it's this gorgeous sure. song that's coming right after Bob Dylan goes through his, because uh, he, he has a couple of, like, sort of, like, consciously Christian albums, because it goes through this sort of powerful conversion experience. Right. And he seems to and he seems to have kind of got away from some of that blatant imagery. But every grain of sand is a uh, again it's like a it's like a spiritual um and yeah so if you if you've never heard it go and go and track it down cuz it it really is a it's a powerful little song. Yeah, I'm so going to give it a li- I'm going to give it a listen. For anybody for anybody listening in, Kenny is definitely more of the Bob Dylan historian than I. I listen quite a bit and I've actually found that Bob Dylan is for some reason like there's just something about his music that seems perfect for when I take the bus. Like there's just something about like <laughs> yeah. the experience of sitting on a bus listening to Bob Dylan that really appeals to me. So I usually just like shuffle like the Bob Dylan radio and it'll just go through a bunch of stuff. But I will look that one up specifically. Then, I have another. I have one other question for you because this just. I know we haven't talked much about friendship in general, but it's been fun to just sort of reminisce on Bob Dylan as two friends who sort of bonded over knowing him. But I wanted to ask you what the first the first Bob Dylan song you ever heard was, because I have sort of a funny answer, which is and not that I think this is a bad song, but uh, the first Bob Dylan song I ever heard was my mom. We were just flipping through the radio and knocking on heaven's door came on. And not that it's a bad Bob Dylan song. It's it's a fine song, but it's not like like it, it is not to me indicative of the rest of his catalog as far as like quality I, or style or anything or anything. I, I don't like that song. I can, I think I can say it pretty authoritative. Like I do <laughs> not like, like it's just, it's this weird kind of almost saccharine at times. Like, like I, I think someone, I probably, if someone smart made the case, I could maybe hear, you know, like I'd probably hear them out, but I, yeah, I no I agree where that's, that is not my favorite Bob Dylan song. <laughs> yeah, it's my, a very my... bizarre introduction to him too. Like, if you were gonna take someone aside and be like, "Listen to Bob Dylan," who's never heard Bob Dylan, that should be at the very end. Like, that should be the last thing that you play, yeah. if ever. Yeah, my my first Bob Dylan <laughs> songs were um were were, uh, were, uh, were like a Rolling Stone, which was put on a mixtape for me by again by the friend who liked Bob Dylan. Sure. Uh, like Rolling Stone, which was like, which I fell into it. Like, I, 
I got it in a way that, I, in hindsight, I'm kind of surprised I did. Because it's a long song, and I wasn't used to listening to things that long. And it's, you know, it's a strange thing that wasn't like anything else I was listening to. But it says something for the power of that song where... Right. I, I like like the the second I heard it, like I really was like, all right, this is great. And on the same on the same mixtape, it was a Bob Dylan song called Quinn the Eskimo, I believe is what it's yeah. called. Yeah. So, Quinn uh, the Mike Eskimo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, and so that was uh, that was Bob Dylan's song number two. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and yeah, so again, Like a Rolling Stone is the better of those two songs. <laughs> so <laughs> true. <laughs> but that's and so I had a. So that was that, and so that was around high school when I had that first Bob Dylan friend experience. But interestingly, when I first went to college, um, I drove up to meet my first roommate, like the guy I was going to be living with the first year, who I went on to become really good friends with, but I didn't know from Adam at the time. Uh-huh. And again, so we sit down, and I was go- in St. Louis for a for a concert I was going to, and he came in, in hindsight, just so he could meet me. I thought, because I didn't have any knowledge of, like, St. Louis geography, he told me he lived around St. Louis. I thought, like, oh, he can just pop right in, not knowing that he still had, like, a 45-minute drive into, into town. <laughs> right. Um, and so, and so anyway, so we met in St. Louis, and one of the first things we talked about was uh, was Bob Dylan, because we compared music interests. And he had, he had just gotten into Bob Dylan, too, through, like, a... Uh, through I think a music history class at his school or something like that, and so, and so I, uh, and so Bob Dylan really is sort of intimately tied with the development of a lot of friendships I had. Do you yeah. have any other besides for just me and you? Do you have any um, similar Bob Dylan bonding experiences that have impacted you? I I had a, a friend of mine who, uh, and I was going to mention this sort of as my first maybe and really maybe only academic experience with Bob Dylan, which is funny that like, I'm not really in a discipline that, I mean, I've, I've been in communication, which obviously Bob Dylan is a communicator. I bet we all are, but it's not necessarily like even literature or anything, but I took a high school class that was just sort of on like pop culture. Like, and they would go through like the fifties and the sixties and the seventies. And they took a week and covered Bob Dylan. And obviously you can't cover Bob Dylan in a week, but sort of the highs. And the 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 first track that they played uh, was Monsters of War. Okay. And uh, yeah. for whatever reason, my professor and it's a fine song too. Like there's nothing wrong with it. It's a good song. But my professor, that was his like that was, like he told us he was like before he played it, he's like this is the song for me. Like, he's like this song to me on sort of another level. The hit and this was sort of I mean there were streaming sites, but it was a little bit before you know things like that became super popular. Uh, sure. So you know, we bought like the best hit CD and uh, listened to that yeah. with a friend of mine, and and uh, he didn't get into it quite as much as I did. I mean, again, he enjoyed it, but it wasn't. I don't know if I have an. I certainly don't have another friend like Kenny, who is <laughs> the Bob Dylan historian, who I can count on for any uh, any information that I need. But uh, but no, I, I did have a friend in high school who, yeah, we we sort of we we joined we discovered Bob Dylan for ourselves together uh, in a cool yeah. way. So, yeah, that's, well, that's, that's great. Awesome. Any, any closing notes here, Kenny, anything else you need the audience to know about Bob Dylan? Um, things about Bob Dylan. Uh, he is apparently not as old as I think, because every, <laughs> 
every year or two, I think, it's amazing he hasn't died yet. And then, like, I look up his age, and he's never quite as old. You know, he's a... Yeah. He's a guy he's a guy that I uh I hope I hope lives forever. Because really his don't be scared off. Here, here's maybe here's maybe my, my closing <laughs> my closing thought. So he, he there's there's a he has a reputation for now his voice just being shot and for kind of turning out garbage. And that was true for a very small period of time. Where he has some albums like like Empire Burlesque and things like that, where I I, I can't get much of a toehold in those. But really, we're in this, like, third or fourth or fifth or sixth Bob Dylan reinvention at this point, where he's come back as this kind of wizened, grizzled sort of American icon. And his last, the last album released as of us recording this is an album of Frank Sinatra covers, which I think is fucking hysterical. Like, I think that's just, like, Bob Dylan being a son of a bitch. And, like, you know, like, because like his, his voice is so gravelly, and it's just, like, he's just so Bob Dylan. And the idea that he would uh, cover just Frank Sinatra songs, you know, this, like, the gorgeous American voice is just, I think it's just, like, the most Bob Dylan thing possible. Yeah, it's, so, hysteri- it's hysterical because you know that Bob Dylan knows it's hysterical. Like Bob Dylan, you, I'm relatively certain Bob Dylan <laughs> is sort of chuckling to it. Like, not that he didn't want to do well, like artistically, but again, like the central conceit behind it, that Bob Dylan covering Frank Sinatra, like even Bob Dylan probably had a little chuckle at that, I would imagine. Oh yeah, Bob, Bob Dylan is self-aware and is often, <laughs> and, and many people have commented this too, at his prime is often is often aware of playing the character of Bob Dylan, you know, because to a certain, you know, he, he wasn't born Bob Dylan. He's born Robert Zimmerman. And then he becomes, you know, and you can watch this over his career. You know, he, he becomes many different versions of Bob Dylan. And so I, it's often interesting to try to piece together, like what is the real Bob Dylan and what is this affected Bob Dylan that, uh, that we're supposed to be sort of engaging with as the, celebrity so anyway he's a he's a constantly evolving figure and uh it's just so cool that he won this award and even though i i am a a book snob in many ways i can't help but uh i i i can't help but be sort of excited you know it feels like it feels like a like a vindication even though i'm not quite sure what's being vindicated (laughs) right it feels but it, it feels like a small victory and many people have commented too about just how sort of how dark the country can feel right now and how this is this small little glimmer of hope that, you know, Bob, Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan is the best of us. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that says about us, but he probably it's is. Probably. So. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably true. Well, uh, that I think about does it. Can, yeah. Can I, can, can I, can I take us out on a closing thought? Please. I ain't looking to compete with you beat or cheat or mistreat you, simplify you, classify you, deny, defy, or crucify you. All I really want to do is, baby, be friends with you. Malcolm, it's been great. Was that James Joyce? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been so much fun. Uh, one more note, I will say a funny, a fun, th- th- that, was, that was a lot of fun, Kenny. I, I really appreciated it. I always love talking about Bob Dylan with you because, again, uh, you know more more than I, and probably more than most, more than some at least, about Bob Dylan. 
Uh, oh, you, you flatter me. That. Yeah. Well, uh, be on the lookout for another friendship and next week. We really appreciate you listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Two Friends Podcast. And uh, I think that's it. Anything else, Kenny? Nope. I'm done. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Have a friendly day. Bye. Bye.